I want to ask you a question, uh, and, and you might look at me funny, but, but just, just go with me here for a minute. Um, do you ever hear voices in your head? Oh, see, you do, don't you? Yeah, I'm not the only one, right? I, don't, I bet they don't have a British accent like mine do, but, but uh, he, here's what I mean by voices. Do, do you have these, these whispers in your mind that for some reason delight in undermining your joy, that they delight in distracting you from, from the call of God on your life? I mean those voices. Do you have those voices in your life? Which, in case you're wondering, they actually don't have a British accent in my head. They have a very, a very different feel to them because I would imagine if you have those voices in your head, they could be categorized in one of three ways. They are probably voices of doubt, voices of fear, or voices of regret. And, and here's the stuff that these voices often say. The voice of doubt will say, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you wanna do? Are you sure this is what God's asking you to do? Voice of fear will say stuff like, I don't think you should do that. Even though God's asking you to do that, I, I don't think you should. I don't know if he's really gonna be faithful this time. I don't know if he's really gonna take care of you this time. And voices of regret will say stuff like, you can try it, but remember you failed last time. Right? You can take that step, but remember the last time you took a step like this, it didn't work out so well. And here's the deal with these voices. And this is what... This is what makes them hard. This is what makes them hard to ignore. This is, is, is what makes them hard to just kind of put back in the back of your mind because oftentimes these voices of doubt and fear and regret start with the truth, right? Because it looks at an opportunity that's right before you and it shows you that that opportunity is beyond your capacity. That's what doubt loves to do. It looks at a risk and says that that's not the safest route. That's what fear loves to do. It looks at the past and it points out to clear mistakes, even sinful ones. That's what regret loves to do. And all of these statements can be very true. And in different seasons of your life, some of those voices can be louder than others. Like I've been going through a season where doubt has been significantly loud in my mind. That voice saying, are you sure? And that doubt has reminded me oftentimes of, of, of how unclear the future is or, or how big decisions really are, or it's also reminded me of how much I really don't know. That's what has been bouncing through my head. And church, I wanna tell you something that I've learned as I've walked through this season and and as doubt has had this loud voice, and that not only applies to doubt, but it applies to fear and regret too, and it is this, that doubt, fear, and regret are liars. Every single time, they're liars. And here's why. Because these voices love to take the truth and they twist it. They love to take what's true and give it just a little bit of a twist, just enough to steal your joy just enough to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And they attempt to do that. And, and, and when you listen to these voices, 
because they're always going to whisper. When, when, when you listen to them, what we're gonna see today is that doubt, fear, and regret might be liars, but doubt, fear, and regret don't have to have the final word, right? That, that there is a place for them, and it's not the final word. Because you see, these voices don't have the final word on, on who you are or who God is. They don't have the final word on what God is doing in your life or what God wants to do in your life. And so today, if these voices have been speaking loud in your life, whether it's doubt or fear or regret, here's what I invite you to do today is I invite you to find hope again. And I invite you to, 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 to live a different way to live a better way than letting doubt, fear, and regret be the loudest voices that you hear. Because today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna see a part of our soul that gives doubt, fear, and regret all the ammunition that it needs. As a matter of fact, we're gonna see a part of our soul that if, if, if doubt, fear, and regret were like a plant, uh, what we're gonna see this part of our soul is like miracle grow to it. Like even that new organic kind that they have now. Like that, that's some nice tomatoes in that commercial if you've seen it, right? Like we're gonna see what that miracle grow is that lets doubt, fear, and regret have the final word. But we're also gonna see what Roundup looks like to them, right? So we're gonna be in Matthew 26 today. And we're gonna do two parts of Matthew 26 because we're looking at, at what happened to Peter and, and Jesus when Peter denied Jesus. And so we're gonna see uh, Jesus speak to Peter about his denial and then we're gonna see uh, Peter go through that denial. It's on page 688. If you have a Bible uh, in front of you, you can use that one. You can also download the Bible app um, and we're under events and click on Fellowship Asheville. And so that's a great way to see the text that we're going through. It's also a great way to see announcements and, and to begin interacting with us there if you would like. And, and as you're turning there, we're going through this series called Unsubscribed. And, and here's why we're doing this. It's Easter, right? And this is Palm Sunday. And when you, when you read chronologically through the text, the, the, the week before the, the, the crucifixion, like on this day before Good Friday, um, uh, this is when Jesus entered Jerusalem and the, and the crowds cheered him on. As, as, their, as their king and as their, as their Lord. And they said, Hosanna, son of David. Man, it was this great parade where Jesus uh, was a part of it. But, but here's what happens in our lives. We, we see moments like that in Jesus's life. We, we see the crucifixion. Maybe even we see and experience the joy of the resurrection. And like that song that we sang, we, we believe in the simple gospel that God loves us. And that Jesus died and was raised again so that we could have this personal relationship with the God who loves us. And we believe that. But then maybe doubt, fear, and regret begin to speak louder than the crowds did when Jesus was ushered in. Maybe speaks louder than the power and the truth of the resurrection. And what happens is, is we begin to unsubscribe from parts of our faith. We begin to check out. We wanna do this series because, because maybe you have doubts that have lingered too long or you have fears that have become really strong or you have regrets that have also become too strong to manage. And maybe for you, it was just easier to stop, to stop attending church, to stop talking to God, to stop being around God's people. Well, if this is you, first thing I want you to know is that you're in very good company because we all struggle with doubt, fear, and regret. You are not alone. 
And here's the deal with the church that you just walked into today, if you're new today, is that God has grown this church to be a place where we can talk about doubts, fear, and regrets with no shame, with no judgment. But we can share our hearts right where we are. And it is a beautiful thing that God is doing in this church. And I don't know why I'm getting emotional, I guess because I had nothing to do with it. And I'm not telling you that, that, that this is anything other than what God is doing. And if you're new today, and this is for you, then this series is for you. Because there is hope. And even if you've been here since the beginning, and doubt and fear and regret are speaking loud, there is hope. And that's what we're going to see today. Now I can't even read my stuff, can I? Where are we? All right, let's look at verse 30. Uh, chapter 26, verse 30 says this. It says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will fall away. You will fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And so, so, so here's what's happening. Jesus is with his disciples, and they've just finished this Passover meal, right? We've all seen the picture. Everybody on one side, Last Supper. Uh, it's this oil painting. You know, we've all seen it. It's the last meal, and they, they just finished this. And so, so, so they're going out. Now, to them, they don't know it's the Last Supper, right? To them, it's just another Passover meal with, with their rabbi, with their teacher, with, with Jesus, and even though he told them time and time again that, that, that the crucifixion is coming, and sometimes he used very clear language, and sometimes he didn't use very clear language, but he told them time and time again that it was coming, they, they just didn't either believe him or, or doubt it or maybe fears or maybe there was some regret there. We don't know. But, but here we see Jesus tell them very specific that he's going to be struck down and they are going to scatter. Now, if you're hearing this as a disciple sitting with Jesus, you might realize this is a problem, right? If you're gonna be struck down and I'm gonna scatter, what I've given my life, life to for the past three years is about to change. But here's the deal with our Jesus, right? He doesn't enter a problem without a promise. Anytime he talks about a problem, there is also a promise. Where there's a problem, there's a promise. And so let's look at the promise in verse 32. He says, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So not only does he talk about his crucifixion and that, and that he's, he's going to be killed, but he also talks about the resurrection, that he's going to be raised up. So not only is he going to be struck down, he's going to be raised up. And not only is he going to be raised up, that after they scatter, he's going to go before them to Galilee. And the implication is that he's going to meet them there. So not only is there this, this, this struck down and scatter, but there's also this resurrection and this great reunion that he's going to have with his disciples. And that's what he's telling them. And so the order is very clear because the order is this. The order that he described is this. It's crucifixion, scattered disciples, right? I'm going to be struck down. You're going to be scattered. That's the problem. But the promise is that there's going to be a resurrection and then we're all going to be reunited, right? So there's a problem and there's a promise. A crucifixion, scattered, resurrection, and reunited. Now you might expect the disciples to look at each other and go, all right, if this is what it takes for you to do what you need to do, then, then let's do this. Or maybe they would, they would look at Jesus and say, pray for us. Because being scattered from you isn't, and being scattered from each other isn't gonna be easy. Pray for us. 
But look at how they respond instead, because it's not, it's not that. And, and here's where we're going to see this fertile, this fertile ground, this miracle grow for those fears of doubt, fear and regret to go. Because look, look at how the disciples respond in verse 33. It says, Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. All right, Peter, I love this guy. Like Peter only has one depth in his pool and it's the deep end, right? He, do, he doesn't have a shallow end. He's never been in a wade-in pool. And not only does he jump into the deep end, he is like canning ball in every single time, right? And, 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 and this is what he's doing here. He's, 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 he's telling Jesus in front of the disciples, Here, here's what I think sometimes, like what in the world do the other disciples think, right? Jesus says, you're gonna scatter, you're gonna be gone. And Peter stands up and goes, listen, these chumps, they're gonna scatter. Me, I'm with you, man. I got you, I'm not gonna scatter, I'm gonna be with you, right? But here's the deal about Jesus. Jesus loves Peter and he loves Peter so much, he's gonna refine something out of Peter. Because Peter has this pride in his soul. And what pride says, at least what it says through Peter, is not only that these chumps are gonna, are gonna leave you, but I am with you. What pride says is it looks at everyone else and says, I'm better, I'm holier, and I'm more right than they are. That's what Peter is implying. And what we're gonna see is that pride gives doubt, fear, and regret a really loud voice. Pride is the miracle grow for doubt, fear, and regret, right? It is the megaphone that turns a whisper into a shout in your soul. But Jesus loves Peter, and he loves him so much, he is gonna patiently strip away that pride because Jesus knows what Peter has in front of him, that he is gonna be leading this thing called the church one day. And he knows he can't do that with pride. And look at verse 34. It says, Jesus said to him, truly, I will tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. And so here, Peter is being prideful, and notice that pride spreads. Now, all the disciples here are standing before the Son of God, telling him he's wrong. And they're like, no, we won't do that. Well, Jesus goes off to pray. Let me tell you what happens in the, in the, in the verses we're gonna pass over. Jesus goes off to pray, and this is the part, I love this part, this is the part where the disciples who just said, we will never leave you, no matter what you go through, we will be right beside you. When Jesus says, hey, I need y'all to stay right here and pray while I go pray, they go sound asleep. They can't even stay awake while he's praying, but yet pride is telling them they will follow him all the way to the crucifixion. Well, what happens is when he's praying, this mob shows up led by, by the betrayer of Jesus, by Judas, and, and they arrest Jesus, and, and, and they beat him, and they go, he goes into these trials, and it's these, these unjust, unlawful trials that he goes through. And then we pick back up with Peter. And in these trials, some of them take place in public, some of them take place in private. 
but we pick back up with Peter in verse 69, and, and what Peter has done is he has stuck around. All the disciples have scattered, and Peter is standing in this courtyard. And, and, and I wasn't there, I don't know, but, but the way people have described it is that where Peter was standing, he could at least see what was going on with Jesus. I don't know how close he was or anything, but there was a crowd there, and, and he was, he, they say he was at least able to see what was going on, and, and he stuck around. And, and so look, pop down to verse 69. It says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You are also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I don't know what you mean. And so this little girl spots him in the crowd. And all we know about her is that she was a girl and that she was a servant of somebody, but she was there and she had recognized Peter from, from following Jesus and being around Jesus. And so she looked at him and he goes, hey, wait, you were with this guy, weren't you? You know this guy. And here's the denial number one because he says, I don't understand. I, I don't even understand what you're looking at. It's like, it's like, it's like he, he, you know, she said you're with him and he's like, ay, lo siento, no comprende. I don't understand what you're saying. Right? And that's the denial number one. And, and, and here's what we see that pride does that gives doubt, fear, and regret these louder voices because pride denies the truth. Right? Pride denies the truth. Jesus told them very clearly what was gonna happen and he did it out of compassion and he did it out of love and they denied the truth. And when pride denies reality of what's happening, it gives this fertile ground for doubt, fear, and regret to shout. And look at verse 71. It says, and, and when he went out to the entrance, and so now what he does is he moves, he moves away. So he's with this crowd of people, and now he moves away. And, and as I, I read this and studied this, commentators believe that when he moved to the entrance uh, because of the courtyard and, 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 and where they put torches and stuff in the courtyard, he actually moved to a kind of a darker area. Right, that when you came through the entrance, it was a little bit dark. And so he, he not only moved away from the crowd, but he moved into this, to this darker place near the gate. And, and here's what I've seen pride do over and over again, too, when doubt, fear, and regret have these louder voices, is that pride isolates you from the people of God and from the community of God and from the voice of God, that pride allows you to draw back and motivates you to draw back and moves you away from others. And when that happens, doubt, fear, and regret get even louder. So not only does pride deny the truth, pride encourages you to isolate yourself. And some of you, that may be what you're doing in the midst of this unsubscribe series that, that you have pulled away. And, and if that's you, I'm so glad that you're here today. Because this is all it takes is one step back into the light. If Peter was in this dark place, it only takes one step back into the light. Well, look at what happens when he isolated himself in verse 71. It says, and when, they went out, uh, and when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. So not only, now it's not a question, it's a statement. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Now, an oath is a big deal because what an oath was in Jewish tradition is that you, 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 you appealed to something uh, with more authority than you or you appealed to something that was more holy than you to verify the fact that what you're saying is true. 
It's like what we have when, when you go into court and you, you put your hand on a Bible and swear by the Bible. It's the same type deal. You're taking an oath and you're saying this book is, has more authority and is holier than I am. And because of that, I'm going to tell the truth. That's what Peter did. He took this oath that what he was saying was the truth. Here's what's interesting. Jesus taught him not to take oaths. Right? Jesus taught him to let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Just say the truth. You don't need an oath if you're saying the truth. Just say the truth. And so Jesus taught him to do something different than what he does. And he's, he's reverting back to what he did before he met Jesus. And this is what pride does. Pride not only, not only denies the truth, but pride turns these untrue thoughts into unbiblical actions. And so now it's not just this thought in Peter's head that he's denying the truth. Now it is this, this action that he's taking this oath to say that what he's lying about is the truth. And see, when pride takes thoughts that are untrue and turns them into actions that deny the truth, this is miracle growth for pride, and this is miracle growth for doubt, fear, and regret to go from whispers to go to, to louder, to go to these shouts that echo in your head. And look at verse 73, and let's watch what else happens. It says, and after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to evoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. Now the, it's not a person asking him, it's the crowd that now recognizes him. And his accent gave him away because where he was from and and, you know, it's, it's, it's like an East Tennessee accent. You know they're from East Tennessee, right? Right? And, and, and Peter had that. And, and people knew that's where he was from. And if he was from there, he wasn't from here. There was this, this city uh, right outside of Jackson, Tennessee, where we lived. And it had the best little burger joint. And if you weren't from that, and that's the only thing this little town had was this burger joint. And if you weren't from there, they said you were from off. Like off the map. Like if you weren't from here, you're from off. And, 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 and these people, this crowd is looking at Peter saying he's from off, right? He's not from here. And if he's here, he's got to be here because of this man that brought him here. And so not only does he deny the truth, but now you see the accusation grows and so does his denial. Not only does he use an oath, he calls a curse down upon himself. And so here we see something else that miracle grow doesn't do, but pride does. Pride grows. Pride doesn't stay self-contained, it grows. And notice his actions got deeper and deeper and his pride got bigger and bigger and then this happens. Verse 74, so that was his third denial, I do not know the man, and immediately the rooster He did it. He did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. He did exactly what he said he wasn't going to do. And imagine this moment when Peter realizes his sin, when Peter realizes his pride and just how big and nasty it had gotten. I can only imagine doubt, fear, and regret are loving this, and we're gonna see why in just a minute. But I can imagine they have got him right where they want him. But first, before we see 
how I know it's doubt, fear, and regret. Let me ask you a question that honestly might be difficult to answer because pride is going to tell you the wrong answer, right? Because let me ask you this. Where is pride growing in your life? Because we all have it. And if you can't come up with something, go ahead and ask your spouse. They might have a couple of answers for you. Ask your best friend. Ask your roommate. Where is pride growing in your life? Where where are you finding that you're denying the truth? Where is this denial of truth leading to unbiblical actions that go against that truth? Where are the walls of your heart getting taller and getting thicker? Where do you find yourself seeking isolation instead of seeking community with the people of God or communing with God? Where is pride growing? Because right there is also where doubt, fear, and regret are getting the miracle grow that they need to be able to shout in your mind and in your heart. Where is pride growing? Because look at what Peter does next, and because we're going to see the results of his doubts, fear, and regrets. Look at verse 75. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. He went out broken. And he remembered what Jesus said. But here's the deal. And this is how I know that this is doubt, fear, and regret. Because yes, Jesus said that, didn't he? Jesus said, you will deny me three times and the rooster will crow. But what else did Jesus say? Where there's a problem, there's a what? A promise. Did Peter remember the promise? No. Because let me tell you, church, doubt, fear, and regret always remember the problem. They never remember the promise. Peter remembered the problem. He didn't remember the promise. Doubt, fear, and regret highlight every problem in your life but they never bother to mention the promise. Why? Because the promise has hope. The promise is truth. Doubt, fear, and regret always remember the problem, but they never remember the, pro- the promise. All of us have pride in our hearts and in our souls, and that pride grows and, and blossoms in different parts of our lives. So the question isn't if you have pride growing in your heart. The question is where. Where do you have pride growing in your heart? For Peter, it, it, the, the, the pride started who knows where, but it culminated in this moment where he told Jesus, you're wrong. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna forsake you. Everybody else will scatter, but not me. I will be with you. And when Jesus said, you will deny me three times, you know there had to be this moment in Peter's heart where he was like, "Uh uh-uh, not me. I would never deny you. You see, Peter left that interaction with pride and doubt, fear, and regret were just waiting, waiting for him to explore this. You see, he left this night right here, weeping bitterly because he remembered the problem, not the promise. We, church, don't have to do that because we know the promise, don't we? We're on this side of the resurrection. We know 
that Jesus was raised again. And we know that he reunited with his disciples and we know that he lives. We know the promise. We understand the promise. He left that night without the promise. We don't have to because we know how the story ends. And we have our gospel, which is the best silencer to doubt, fear, and regret. Our gospel is the roundup to those weeds of doubt, fear, and regret. Because here's what our gospel says. Our gospel, like that song said, is very simple. And I've already said it once, but I'll say it again. It's that God loves you, and he loves you so much that, that he, would, he would send his own son to fix a problem that we created called sin. And that sin separated us from God. And he sent his son, and his son lived a perfect life and yet died the death of a criminal, and he was crucified, and he was resurrected. And when we say yes to Jesus, to that relationship with God, instead of trying to earn it and be good enough and be holy enough and be better than everybody else, when we say yes to Jesus earning that for us, we get this good and right and, and, and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. And that is the gospel. It is a simple belief. It is a simple yes. And when you say yes to Jesus, it costs something for God, but it does something for us. And when you say yes to Jesus, you say no to pride because you didn't earn any of that relationship. It is all Jesus all the time. And you see, pride says, I can do this on my own. And the resurrection says, no, you can't, and you don't have to. Jesus has already done it all. That's our gospel. And so not only is the gospel the best silencer to fear, doubt, and regret, the resurrection, our gospel, is your invitation to humility. It's your invitation to say, I can't do this. When doubt speaks up and says, you, are you sure you wanna do this? It looks like it's beyond your capacity. You go, you are right. It is beyond my capacity. I can't do this, but I've got the Holy Spirit living in me and he can. When fear says, I don't know, this is too risky, you go, you're right. It's incredibly risky. I wonder how God's gonna do this because this is a perfect opportunity for him to shine. When regret says, remember you failed at this before, as a matter of fact, you sinned greatly when you tried this. Regret, you're right, I sure did. And Jesus has forgiven me for it. And God doesn't hold it against me. As a matter of fact, he wants me to enter this again so that he can show me how to do it right. That's what we do with doubt, fear, and regret. See, because they don't remember the promise doesn't mean we can't tell them the promise. You see, if pride is that fertile ground, then, then humility, this gospel humility, is the roundup that silences them and it kills them, roots and all. And so for you today, here's my question for you. What is humility asking of you? If pride denies the truth, if pride isolates you, if pride takes those things that you believe that aren't true and, and denied and turns them into unbiblical action, if pride grows
closed and, and gives the space for doubt, fear, and regret to speak louder and louder and louder. What is the opposite of that? Where is humility in your life? Where does that need to grow? Where, does, where do you need to rest and trust in the gospel that saves you? So what is humility asking of you? Maybe for you, it is accepting this gospel. It is saying yes to Jesus and no to the religion that we sung about. It's laying down that religion because what religion is, religion is trying to prove to yourself that God loves you. He has already said that he does. And he has given you his son to, to prove it. And maybe for you today, it's saying yes to Jesus and trusting him for your salvation. But many of us have already done this and we have these parts in our soul where doubt reigns. What does it look like? What does it look like for humility to, to enter that place? What does it look like for you to opt back in to the things that you've isolated yourself from, to biblical community, to to communicating with God again, to praying again, to walking in truth again. The biblical word for this is repentance. And where humility is, there is repentance. And repentance means to turn, and to stop doing it the way everybody else is doing it and do it the way God is leading you to do it, to do it the way the word describes for you to do it. That's what repentance is. It means turning away from sin and turning to God. And is there something in your life that you need to turn away from today? Because now is the time to do it. And you can leave this place with more hope than you walked in. You can leave this place with doubt, fear, and regret being whispers again instead of loud shouting voices. You see, maybe today is the day that you do this. And let me tell you, just like Jesus waited for Peter, he's lovingly pursuing and waiting for you too. We've got a prayer team that would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Um, you can talk to them, you can talk to me. But maybe today is the day that you leave here with more hope than doubt, fear, and regret. Now, we're also gonna pick up, pick up Peter's story after Easter, right? His story's not over, and it gets really good. So hold on, let's pray. Jesus, um, doubt, fear, and regret are liars, and, and, and gosh, they are so loud, and they sound so true, and, and, and sometimes their voice sounds a whole lot like yours, but it's not because it's scary, and it's not because it... It breeds anxiety. It's not because, because we question you instead of trust you. And, and God, I pray for, for us as a church that we will remind doubt, fear, and regret of the promises that you speak. That we will remind them of the God who is ever present with us and who leads us and guides us. And Father, that that would that that would change us and that it would give us more humility and give us more hope. And Father, give us more peace. That our life doesn't have to be riddled with anxiety and worry, but that there can be peace. Even when things aren't making sense, even when things aren't working out, even when things are going horribly wrong.
there can be peace. And so, Father, I pray for us today that we would, we would enter into that hope, into that truth. In Christ's name we pray, amen.